currently responsible for one-third of all LTL bills in North America, DDC FBO is known for its best-in-class freight billing programs. Delivered by experts with over 15 years of specialized freight billing success, DDC turns your back office into a profit center. Our partners experience immediate cost savings of 40 to 60% on average. But how? With our reliable, scalable team, you can confidently allocate your internal staff to core competencies while ensuring business continuity. Locked-in cost containment protects you against unforeseen circumstances. Rapid processing speeds drive tangible efficiencies so your organization can reduce DSO and get paid faster. Reduced errors and increased visibility ensure accuracy and keeps your business running smoothly. Outperform the competition with faster and more accurate billing. DDC is a strategic partner that you can rely on to achieve your goals. From discovery through testing, onboarding, training, implementation, rollout, and beyond, you'll have a dedicated team assigned to your program. Your team will use a highly personalized approach to identify and customize the best solutions for your specific needs. To learn how our premium freight billing services can support your success, contact DDC today. Welcome to Great Quarter, guys. I'm Anthony Smith, lead economist here at FreightWaves, and I'm joined alongside someone that's really been a powerhouse in a lot of our research and uh, our analytics and what we put out on the other side of FreightWaves, not just some of our stories, but Tony Mulvey, senior analyst here at FreightWaves. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Anthony. So, Tony, this is going to be your first time on Great Quarter, guys. I think the first time on FreightWaves TV air, but you're no stranger to the industry. I mean, you have been, like I said, putting out quite a bit of stuff. Today, we're going to talk about one of the reports that you did put out um, not too long ago. I'm going to, I got a chance to go through it. So I'm excited to get to chat with you about a lot of the stuff that we're having in here. But before we jump into that, guys, I have to thank our sponsors. And so, for this show, we have DDC FBO, and then this episode. This episode is brought by, sorry, DDC FBO, best known for freight billing. DDC is a business process outsourcing provider that specializes in freight. Now offering custom brokerage processing. Discover how DDC can help you clear customs faster at ddcfpo.com. So we appreciate them for sponsoring this show, and thank you guys so much. So, Tony, jumping into it. What is the name of this report? What is this current report looking at? So the report we did, I guess, about a month ago was titled um, Another Truckload Capacity Crunch is Imminent. So we took a look at all modes, uh, maritime, intermodal, and truckload market, and really tried to give uh, a comprehensive look at uh, our forecast for the year. So where, where we're headed during this peak season, uh, and really this will be kind of an update of what that report built on. So. Gotcha, gotcha. So this is not the first iteration of it. No, this isn't. So we we did release this, like I said, about a month ago, and mm-hmm. this uh, the initial one, and then this will be just that update to updated charts versions of what was in that. So gotcha. All right. And so for those of you who are listening and a little bit later on on Spotify, um, we are going to talk to I think some visual aids. Right. We have yep. a few charts that we're going to talk to. So for those of you who are watching on TV.Fraves.com. And on LinkedIn, appreciate your LinkedIn viewership as well. Let's jump into our first chart here. So the first thing that we're going to have here, I think, is around the customs import shipments. And so can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, so this one, 
we looked at obviously the ocean market, right? It's a driver of freight demand here in, in the US, really both intermodal truckload, everything, anything that's coming in the ocean is getting moved by another mode. So really that was our, our starting point. So what we wanted to do with this chart, uh, we see in blue, the uh, customs import shipments into the US uh, across all ports. And really what we see compared to that green line is that they're running at peak season levels and they have for pretty much the entire year. So we really haven't seen a slowdown until in relatively recently. And, and that was kind of expected. So when you think about the traditional peak season on the ocean, it's a lot earlier than those domestically. So what's interesting though really about it is that we're still, even with the slowdown, up 12% year over year. So really seeing heightened demand on the ocean. Uh, I think anybody can tell you that. Yeah. You, you look at the port of LA and yeah. see just the container ships sitting out there. Uh, we so definitely have those issues. That's a huge point there, is that it's still running up 12% year over year. And yeah. so this is one of those aspects that I, I kind of have to always remind folks about, is that even if we start to see an easing in, a, in effect, there's still record levels and record volumes really kind of being pushed through and record momentum. So, so for instance, one of my expectations for 2022 is that manufacturing is going to ease um, as we kind of go throughout the year. And, but, but there's no reason to think that it's going to be an overt decline or that there's going to be any kind of recessionary trends. And so where we're seeing that, even if we're seeing some unseasonally decline or downward movements, some trends here, is that it's still 12% above year-over-year levels. And so Let's move into the next one. So because what we're seeing right now is that congestion is that the ports are still hampering the maritime sector. There is such a backlog. This is no secret here. But this next one I think is really interesting here to kind of kind of move that point a little bit forward. Yeah. So this chart is actually one we looked at. We had a uh, paper earlier in the year uh, talking about how the ocean markets drive domestic transportation markets. And this was one of those charts that was quite interesting, right? It's our inbound ocean TEU volume index, so from China to the U.S., and our van volume, tender volume index. So really what it's we're looking at is bookings data from uh, seven days in advance coming from all ports in China to the U.S. And then we're looking at our dry van volumes, right? So that driver, uh, what we see really in the van volume is there's about a six to eight week lead time. Uh, for those bookings uh, to really hit the U.S. Uh, and hit the truckload market where we see some uptick, some, some stability there in the van volumes. Uh, and what we've seen is we saw a rapid increase in the bookings there in, say, early September. And we, have, we saw a little bit of an uptick there in, uh, let's call it late October, but really, we're still kind of in this trough area in freight demand on the truckload side. We really haven't seen that uptick. Uh, I think moving into this next slide will really show why that is the case. Right. But uh, it's interesting to see where that where we're headed with that. And so let's let's jump into this one a little bit more. So one of the things that we always see around this time of the year that we kind of start to ponder around and, and really kind of prep for is the Chinese New Year. How does Chinese New Year typically really impact this segment? And what are your expectations for moving forward? So Chinese New Year, obviously, the shutdowns in China around the holiday, you see kind of a pull forward of freight. So you see those bookings earlier and earlier. Uh, I think last year they were, we saw it in January. 
I wouldn't, I expected to see, see it even earlier. I think we're actually seeing the impacts kind of now. I mean, those bookings that are happening now obviously aren't getting here for peak season. Uh, so they, they're coming at some point and we are seeing an increase in them. So my expectation is those, those volumes are, or those bookings are being for Chinese New Year. So gotcha, would expect gotcha. it to, to keep the strength that we're seeing now. Got it. And so, as you mentioned, this next chart here, I'm really interested in jumping into, and this is domestic loaded intermodal volume. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, on our team, we have Mike Bowden, this yeah. our rail intermodal expert. So he, a bonafide genius, he is. And <laughs> let me tell you, since working with him, I've learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, but really, so when you think about the intermodal market, his big thing is think of it as two distinct markets, right? You're your domestic loaded or your domestic intermodal where you've got JB Hunt, the hub groups, uh, Schneider, uh, those companies that operate in that space. And then you have your international. Well, this chart shows that we've seen an upward trend in our domestic. Uh, at Insonar, we have a, what you would call a, a unique data series, right? Our O-Rail data. Uh, we can see those loaded containers. And we've seen this uptick uh, outside of the traditional peak season. So you think about intermodal, kind of being a little earlier than what you would think in the truckload. Uh, so right there, kind of sandwiched in the middle, typically peaks in October. Well, we saw volumes increase, domestic intermodal loaded volumes increase 8.8% on average in October, and they're up almost 2% so far in November. So that peaks being uh, prolonged, I would say. Gotcha. And so this is one of the things that I think is really kind of being echoed throughout the supply mm -hmm. chain is that those elevated peaks, and even if it's starting to come down, it's yeah. still uh, one of the first charts that we talked to, still up exponentially on a year-over-year yep. -year basis. A lot of it's double digits on some aspects. And so seeing that some of these are up and they're being prolonged, I think is another really factor to kind of really hone in on the entire situation here. So moving into uh, keeping on that intermodal side of things. So we have in our next chart here getting queued up intermodal loaded, intermodal volume, international loaded uh, volume. Yeah. So on the international intermodal side, you really haven't seen that increase, right? So uh, in September, inter international loaded intermodal volumes were down 5.8% month over month. Uh, October, they were down half a percent. And no, so far in November, they're down about another half a percent. So we are seeing uh, a pretty substantial decline there in international. And a lot of that has to do with in earnings. This we saw uh, Schneider mentioned it, or improved fluidity in networks. Uh, Union Pacific's leveraging their subsidiary, subsidiary loop logistics to, to secure that additional drainage capacity. So you've got kind of two things. You're having congestion issues on the rails work themselves out, and you're seeing impacts of transloading. So taking from the 40-foot containers into those domestic 53-foot containers, uh, seeing those impacts show up. And that's, that's part of the reason we're seeing this decline in that international uh, intermodal volume. Okay, so this is one of the other areas that in this upcoming chart here, because I have a little preview here. Um, this is one of the segments that I got to chat with Zach Strickland about earlier on today on on Freight was now on a carrier updates talking about OT, OTRI and OTVI and seeing how some of the expectations that we are seeing right now for from his perspective isn't quite what we expected to see. So looking at OTVI to OTRI, 
right now we're seeing that the the volumes are starting to ease down in a sense. And I know that's more so on the contract side, but can you talk to this chart a little bit more? Yeah, so this chart right here is our outbound tender volume index and our outbound tender rejection index. And this is probably one of the charts I look at the most each week. Uh, And I would echo what Zach said, it's kind of not what we expected, what's happened. So when we wrote this, we expected obviously capacity to, I mean, the title of the report was another uh, truckload capacity crunch is imminent. And what we've seen is that really hasn't happened. We've seen rejections slide uh, down sub 20%, which they hadn't in, uh, what was it, 13 months at the time of the report. So, I mean, that was a a big thing. And then we've seen volumes still decline uh, really over, say, since the end of the third quarter. So you saw a little bit of a ramp up there in, in volume levels to close out the quarter. And then October was pretty traditional, what you would think of in a seasonality aspect. You had volume levels start the month higher than they ended the month. And what we've done is further decline since that October. I think we're OTVI sub 15,000. And really, that was the first time since uh, late February. So other than some holidays in there. But but I mean, really, it's... I would anticipate that we're going to see an uptick. I mean just based on some of the the timing of the holidays coming up uh, rapidly, uh, the extended intermodal side, that that time aspect, uh, I think that's where we're going to see some of that uh, upward pressure here or upward moves in freight demand. And then also, I mean, ultimately pressure on on capacity that's already remarkably tight. Gotcha, gotcha. And, I, and one of the other aspects, so this transitions, I think, really well here into the next one, and that's going into rates. Uh, so I know what we've seen that on the spot rate side that they have really essentially been sliding yeah. since earlier on in the year. Can you talk a little bit more about this one? Yeah, so here, obviously, truckstop.com's national spot rate and our van contract rates that we have within Sonar. And, and what we've seen is since since Labor Day, we've been kind of on this downward slide on the spot rate side. And you have to remember, at that same time, Hurricane Ida will hit, uh, I think, the same week or right the week before. So, I mean, you have domestic transportation markets disrupted from that. Then you add in a holiday, you're obviously going to see a spike in in rates. So this downward slide, not really a surprise in spot rates. I think what's more telling of why we're seeing this downward slide in rejections and and even maybe in the volumes as well, because when you remove the rejected uh, freight or rejections from the volume index, where volumes are up about 3% at the moment, uh, year over year. So really still some strength there in overall volume levels. But we've seen uh, contract rates jump about 25%. So I mean, that that's obviously going to drive improved carrier compliance. So gotcha. really, that's, that's what we're seeing. I think it's more driven by rates, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a lot of capacity being added to the market. I mean, you see it on the main street, the media all the time, driver shortage, driver shortage. Well, carrier compliance has gotten better, not necessarily because of capacity added in, but we have seen improving rates. So Some improvement there for sure. Yeah. So before we jump into our next chart, one of the things I, I really want to kind of almost do like a, a quick summary. I mean, because we, we just threw a lot of charts at you. We threw a lot of data points and, and different analytics and, and expectations. So throughout this report, What's one of the things that surprised you the most or maybe one of the things that you think, all right, this is really something that we need to keep our eyes on? I think it's the length of time 
that we're looking at these peak season levels, right? I think you think about peak season, oh, it's say, call it six weeks, really. When you, when you factor all, everything in, you go from, uh, especially on the truckload side, you go from Thanksgiving or just before Thanksgiving through the new, right at the new year, and then you see volumes tail off. I don't think we're going to see that. So I think that's the big one is just how long, how it may not be as peaky as we've seen, like we saw in 2020, but it may be longer in duration. So I think that's the big, the, the, the big, big surprising factor. And so other than that, are there any underlying trends that you see that might be poking out that maybe mainstream media, of course, isn't watching and maybe industry analysts aren't watching closely, but is there anything that's underlying that you think, hey, we need to kind of keep our eye on this? I think one, uh, I mean, there's one, it's pretty, I wouldn't say call it huge yet. Uh, and it was from a survey uh, from the Blackhawk Network, which does prepaid uh, cards, so like gift cards and things like that. And they conducted a survey. And I actually put this in as a risk to the truckload market is 83% of consumers would prefer gift cards over physical gifts this year. And a lot of that was due to about a quarter of it mentioned uh, stockouts, uh, shipping delays, things like that. The other, another big percentage mentioned the reverse logistics, having to make returns, just being annoying. So I think that's one that I would focus on. It's how that trend actually plays out. Yeah. Uh, it's one that you don't really think about because as a gift cards, you don't, think of it as a freight driver eventually it is yeah i mean but the other factor in there was dining gift cards topped the overall uh most popular gift like spend gotcha. so like obviously a gift card or something like that yeah exactly I'm a so i mean chilies yeah, yeah yeah so you think about it really what we're seeing i mean that's that's a big one i mean if you're not giving gift cards to a retailer where, where you're going to spend that on physical goods and you're spending it more on services, that's definitely a, a big impact to right. uh, the, the truckload market. So I'm going to ask you a big question, but it's not going to be right now. It's going to be towards the end of the question, but I don't want to put you on the spot. So maybe you can think about the answer before you know we get there, but it's going to be one of our founders, Craig Fuller's favorite question is to make one wild call that you really expect for the next year or two. So you don't have to answer it now, but we're going to jump into the next chart. And I think it's something that you really kind of perfectly led into. And of course, that's going to be the University of Michigan's uh, Consumer Sentiment Index. Yeah, so this one really was one that is kind of telling of what, if you think about the consumer driving a lot of freight demand, I mean, that's what what COVID did back, if you look back at our volume levels back in 2020, I mean, it, it's all been really consumer driven. So I wanted to look at this one just to include it. It We've, what we've seen is we're now at the lowest level we've been at in a decade. Yeah. So we're really seeing consumers kind of, that's that positive sentiment they had is not there anymore. Or it's not as favorable as it was. I think the quote that they used in, in the release was it's the least favorable economic prospects in more than a decade. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely a risk that we're seeing in the truckload market. And, and does it come to fruition? I don't know, but there are, as you, Mr. Economist here, know there are a lot of factors that are leading into that. So I think that one will be telling uh, and we'll see how it plays out. But I, I think that's the one that's a little of, concerning. It is, it is. And so 
I think you used a great choice of words of does it come to fruition right now? Because I think when we look at the actions, the consumers are saying one thing throughout these surveys, but if you look at the actions that they're taking, they're saying something completely different. So like they are still purchasing. Uh, we just got retail sales numbers updated for this most recent month. I think it was through the month of September. Um, I'm sorry, through October. And so we got that re- release and it showed that retail sales was up 1.7%. And so seeing that retail sales are still climbing, seeing that another pseudo, I would say, consumer confidence or consumer sentiment gauge I use from time to time is the quit rate. And we're seeing quit rates are at an all-time high, record highs right now. Yep. And so we're seeing that consumers are leaving their jobs at record numbers. They're still shopping at record numbers. These are things that you don't quite do during times of uncertainty. But I mean, there are other aspects at, at play. So the concerns over inflationary pressures are very valid because they are here. They've been sticking. They are really being persistent now at levels that I don't think we've seen in what, 30, 31 years or something like that. It's, it's incredibly high and it doesn't seem to be ceasing anytime soon. So I, I think you're spot on and see if it does come to fruition because right now there are all these things going in favor of the consumer. We're seeing uh, job openings over 10 million. We're seeing retail sales, like I said, still going and we're seeing the quit rate still high. So the consumers are saying one thing, but they're acting a completely different way. Um, in, in your mind, when you're looking at consumer conditions and what we're seeing right now, do you see a slowdown um, for that buying trend going into 2022? I think so. I mean, I think how much more can you buy? Yeah, yeah. I know I've looked at Bank of America's total card spending quite often. And I mean, it's running up like 20% year over year and 20% over two year levels. So I mean, like, that has to slow down at some point, right? I mean, that's, it's hard to keep spending, but I mean, I've been proven wrong. Well, the American people know no end. And, yeah. but the other big thing is that is, was a really driving factor was the stimulus money that was pumped into the economy um, throughout 2021 and um, earlier parts of 2020. I think there was some, some programs that are still going on in 2021. Um, but looking at that, those savings rate is starting to come back down. I think now down to pre-pandemic levels. And so looking at that, that's telling us that there is less disposable income for a lot of these consumers. And so for sure, I think there's a, a, a particular argument to be made that potentially that there could be fewer purchases being made just because not that there's not that much gas left in the tank, but maybe that stimulus is starting to really kind of run dry. Savings rate starting to ease in effect. And then we're also seeing that inflationary pressure is really kind of compounding and, and, and really kind of causing some easing in a sense. But um, one of the other things I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on is, so when I look upstream, I look at manufacturing, I look at raw goods, materials, things like that. I, I'm anticipating it to ease. I think it will ease as some of the year-over-year trends are starting to show some slowdown. But um, volumes are still relatively being supported just because there's so many backlogs. There's so much going on. So are you seeing or anticipating um, volumes or certain types of, uh, or yeah, I would say volumes to maintain higher levels faster than we will be consuming just because it's going to be going through backlogs? I think so. I think you look at it, I mean, you look at the inventory levels, that inventory to sales ratio is at an all-time low still. So I think, I think that's one that really will be telling. Uh, so when you see 
those inventory levels be built back up to to even pre-pandemic levels and probably even higher just so so they're not uh, driven into that same predicament barring some other craziness that happens in the world yeah uh, I think that's going to be one that that'll help aid those those volume levels for for the prolonged period so that's my uh, okay take. one quick question before we close out here um, one wild call all right I think this one is a little interesting yeah uh, I think flatbed has one of the stronger years uh, of the equipment types in the truckload market I think you saw the infrastructure package get signed in on Monday I think that that definitely has a big impact uh, on flatbed transportation yeah. Uh, so I think that's one where we'll see uh, a pretty strong year. And it it was the last one to kind of pick up steam. And it's been one of the stronger ones recently. So I think Tony, that's the, the interesting one. You know how to get me going. Because I, I love flatbed. I can't get enough of it. So I, I, I completely agree with you that infrastructure, the upstream impacts, the constructionary um, uh, variables at play as well, because you have construction materials moving throughout the country building products, um, lumber, things like that. So I think you're spot on with that one. But Tony, I have to thank you for joining me today on this great quarter, guys. Um, where can people get more of your analysis? Uh, a lot of our stuff's at sonar.freightwaves.com. Uh, so look on there. We've re- released something every single week. Uh, uh, or find me on LinkedIn. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Tony, I think we'll see more of you on these great quarter guys, on the great quarter guy, Airwaves and Freightwaves TV. And thank you all for tuning in. That's going to wrap it up for this great quarter guys segment. I'm no psychic, but I am an economist. And so sometimes I forecast things. And I think we are going to see more Tony. And I think we might see a couple more special guests, but we will see you all on the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next time. 